You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hello, my name is Vasti Mumpoint, and I make joy for a living. Vasti Mumpoint is an actor, dancer, and singer based in L.A. and New York. She's appeared on screen in Nora from Queens, on stage in SpongeBob SquarePants, and as a dancer, she's performed with James Corden and Michael Jackson. Not one to be pigeonholed as merely a triple threat, she decided to launch a kids' show during COVID starring her buddies from Broadway. Here's my chat with Vasti Mumpoint. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Uh, my name is Vasti Mumpoint, and quite simply, I guess you would say I make art for a living and I make... Um, and I work with kids for a living, which I, that doesn't sound like it's something that I, that to make, but it is. Um, I try, I, my goal in life is to create joy for kids. So I do as many things as possible to do that. And I'm also a dancer, a singer, a guitar player, an actress, and um, a craft maker as well. So you're obviously very unaccomplished. I mean, <laughs> you, you need a few I more you, things. I ADD. It's literally, I get bored easy. Well, so how did you get started in performance I'm assuming, did you start in performance first? Is that where sort of where, where things are born from? Yeah, my, my parents took us to concerts a lot when we were kids, um, like little, little, little kids. They're, my family's from Haiti, and they immigrated to the States when they were 21. My sister and I are the first Americans in our entire family on both sides. So we have an interesting connection with music, and Haitians enjoy music and dancing, and it's like so a part of the culture that that's how I kind of fell in love with music and dance and not just Haitian music. My dad would take us to like my first concert, I think was one of my first was Paul Simon. Like he took us to a lot of like, like great, great concerts. Um, and that's when I fell in love. And I was like, I just knew that I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to do something that made me feel the way that those concert made me, made me feel basically. Was your dad a big influence then in general, his love of music really rubbed off on you? Absolutely. My dad's love of art and music. Um, my mom, my mom also dances and loves music, not dancers and not professional dancers at all, but they love dancing. And so I got my, my dad is like a ball of sunshine. Everyone's like, your dad's the happiest man I've ever met. And then my mom is like super ambitious. So I got, I got a little bit from both, but they look, they both love, love kids. It's a, we're a family that really loves kids. Do you have a lot of siblings? I have one sister. Um, and she, she honestly doesn't have kids. She's only, she likes kids, but she's never been like the passionate about kids that my mom, my dad and I have, but I have, my sister-in-law has a kid now. So I haven't, I finally have a niece and it's exciting. So how did you develop your performance and your musical talents and abilities? Um, well, I started off as a dancer and I, um, I danced until I was in, I, I still dance now. I'm still a professional dancer, but I, I started off with dance and everything else came way after. And it took a while to get the confidence to sing and the confidence to act. And the, the singing came for, uh, right after dance and it took me a while to get that confidence. And then I started, I just like, who cares about being scared anymore? And I just started doing it and it feels great. And then I started playing the guitar as well. And then acting is more of a new one, actually. I always acted in musical theater in the ensemble of shows, but never as a leading person. And now I'm starting to get lead roles and things. And so I'm able to dive deeper into acting and, and explore that art form more. What do you think the difference is? Like what, what sort of changed that you went from ensemble work to all of a sudden now you're getting more lead roles? Ironically, it was, I got, I got sick last year. And I wasn't able to dance and sing and do all that stuff because it, I was the surgery was in my stomach, so I couldn't sing, I couldn't dance really, and I can dance at all. And I, 
sitting in silence, I was like, why am I not doing bigger things? I've been, I have a lot of experience and, and, and there's a lot of different things with that. There, there have never been a lot of roles for black women. Like there just hasn't been a lot of roles unless you're like a white man or white woman really. And there are more and more coming, but because we don't have as much experience, sometimes it's harder to get to that point. And now more theaters and more TV agencies and commercials are starting to see, especially over the last few months, that everyone's like, what are we doing? And they're trying to fix that. So it was in that that I was like, all right, if no one's going to create an opportunity for me, I'm going to create it for myself. And I started to do that. And it's been working fine. (laughs) In what ways have you created these opportunities? Is this by starting your own shows and productions? Or is this going out for roles that normally you wouldn't think that you would get or would be considered for? Yeah, all of the above. I applied, I started writing when I was sick and I started writing um, just like articles and just doing things. And I was like, oh, people are actually reading them. They like it. And then I applied for, there's this program in LA with the, with CBS um, called the CBS Diversity Showcase. And you write sketch comedy, you make up characters and you apply and you have to audition. And so I wrote a whole sketch. I wrote a sketch with like five different original characters. I had to audition four times, just going in and out, and I ended up getting it. And um, so now I live in California. I got to do the CBS showcase and got to, I was introduced to a lot of people in LA. And um, and then following that, I got to do my first film. And then I just shot my first TV show out here. So, but it all came from me being like, all right, if no one's going to do this for me, I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. And then I create this web series as well to um, give myself a, a vehicle to do that. And what is the web series? Tell me about that. So the web series is basically uh, the birth of all of my ADD projects. It's literally everything I've ever done. I get to sing. I get to do improv. I get to do hosting. I get to play the guitar. Um, and I get to act. And I get to do all of that into one thing. Because kids are the most bored people ever. And unless you can do all of those things, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's funny. We get, we'll get big Broadway stars to come on and they'll sing a song. And the kid's like, awesome. So what else can you do, Tony Award winning person? <laughs> like, what the world? Um, so it's like, you have to have several different skills. And the, one of, the only skill that I ever brag about in my life that I feel very, very snobby about is my ability to connect with children. And, um, that's what I get to do. I get to do everything I love in in my kitchen with a green screen, and it's fantastic. <laughs> and so, so what's this project called? Is, is this Vasti's Friends? Yes, this is Vasti's Friends. And it was born out of the pandemic. We realized that uh, parents would need a way to engage their kids. We knew that kids, even though they don't quite know what's going on, they can feel what's going on. And they're like, why is everyone either sad or mad? or stressed out? Why isn't anyone having fun? Mm-hmm. And I am a very strong believer that every kid deserves a happy childhood. And I think if you were to trace back most of the misery in the world from people who have made the world miserable, they did not have happy childhoods. I honestly think that. And then with the when the Black Lives Matter movement happened in the States, I was looking at the education system here and how there's just so much that kids are not taught here which is why everybody was so shocked out all of a sudden as to why, oh, black people go through this. Oh, this is illegal. Oh, this, these things. And it wasn't really anyone's fault per se. It's just nobody was taught that. So with Vossi's Friends, we teach kids the truth about the world through music, dance, and Broadway, but without being dark. We make it joyful. We're like, here's the truth about the world. 
And here's the other truth about the world. You can still be happy in it, but this is also the truth in the world. And it's, it's been like a really cool experience. And the kids are so open and they listen to everything. They listen to everything we say and they're just dancing around and having a good time. And it, it's just been like a really bright spot in this for us. Where did these ideas come from? I mean, I know you, you have always enjoyed performing and I know you've always enjoyed art as you've told us, but it's one thing to enjoy performing. It's another thing to be the person who's conceiving the project, who's actually drawing it all together and bringing all the elements together. What are you drawing upon in terms of inspiration? Um, I'm very empathetic. It's like my superpower and also my, my Achilles heel. (laughs) But I feel, um, so at times like this, it's for an empathetic person. It's hard because I'm literally like, I can feel every single person on the world's pain. I'm like, everyone's sad. I want to fix it. And so a lot of my things sometimes come from empathy and wanting to help. I've, and, and that's not me. That's not just me. That's my parents. My parents are helpers. They brought our whole family over to America. They've made sure my sister have, and I have everything we need. And I feel like it's my duty to help give back and, and help in that way. And I don't think people do that enough. And so it comes from that. And I do have a very overactive brain. And I find that if I put it into art and put it into projects that actually are going to accomplish something nice and wonderful, then it calms me down a little bit. It's kind of like my Xanax, <laughs> if you will. Creative Xanax. Xanax. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my husband is very creative. We do this together. And so we were able to, he's been a school te- he's been a teacher and has been teaching kids art for years and years and years. So it was just literally just like having a tete-a-tete and just like coming up with these things. And yeah. Do you ever run into just creative block, running out of ideas, having no idea where you're going to go next in order to uh, focus your energy, in order to help people? Yeah. And it's the worst feeling because it just feels like you're in a room of like grayness and you're just like, what? Like you just, there's nothing moving through. And like, I'm someone that 100% needs art to like, be in the world. Like I, my body needs that. So like when I feel like that, it's not my favorite. Um, but they usually don't last too long. I'll find a way to, usually I think I know that means that I need to just take a break. I've learned to understand that means I need to take a break. And I can't remember who said it, that quote. Um, there's a difference between when you're tired, don't quit, take a break. And I think it's just like the best advice. And I think before when I thought, if I take a break, then that's it. Then I'm quitting. And it's like, no, it's like, calm down, first generation immigrant (laughs) child. You can take a break. (laughs) You can take a break. Pump the brakes, overachiever. It's okay. Yeah. Right. Calm down. Well, and and what are some sort of mechanisms? I mean, so when you take a break, what do you mean by that? Are you you putting it down metaphorically and and literally? Are you, when you take a break, is it for weeks at a time or just an hour? It depends. Sometimes I... I've been like, I ask people for help. I'm like, I need help with this. I'll go ask some of my friends. I'm like, I need help doing this. Or um, meditation, yoga, taking walks, watching TV, or just like being going to my husband and be like, let's just go out of town for a day. Let's just go. <laughs> let's just leave. And being in California has been amazing for that. Because we did that in New York. But New York, you have to like rent a car and then do that and do this. But here it's like, you just, you have a car, so, you, and I, and it's great, and then you just, like, drive to the mountains for the day, or you drive to the beach for the day, or you can go see the snow for a day, so it's been, that's my favorite part about being here in California. Yeah, I enjoy that like, about it, too. It's so earth-heavy. <laughs> earth is thriving in California. 
It's thriving. Well, that as long as it's not on fire, yes. Yeah, that's why there's like fires and earthquakes and hurricanes. Like there's so many different kinds of like things here. Like it's so earth. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that a lot from friends who live in or spend time in Vancouver too. Like when I go there, it's always nice to see the ocean on one side, the mountains on the other. You see snow up north mm-hmm. and you, you know, well, you see rain basically every mm-hmm. other direction. But, you know, it's uh, it's better than snow in my opinion, mm-hmm. generally. Oh, snow. So with all of your work, I mean, it seems like there's a, a unifying theme of, uh, as you were saying, of, of happiness, of helping people and specifically mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Overall, what are you hoping to achieve? Is there a place you're trying to get to? Is there something that you would consider to be the pinnacle or something that you really want to convey to everybody out there? Yeah, I think that, I think that one, I, and this is just my opinion, but I believe that one of the reasons adults have such a hard time with like a lot of things in the world is because we're taught rainbows and bunnies when we're young, which I think is also great. But then when we see the reality, everything in our body's like, wait, 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 wait. And I think that I, I think that kids have the power, and it's a cliche, but it's true. Kids have the power to literally change everything. And I think for the first time ever, younger generations are tuning into everything more so than it faster than it's ever taken anyone. Mainly, and I've taught at so many colleges and high schools in the last four months, like hundreds of kids. And they're all like, yes, this, and this is all over the world. They're like, yes, this is happening. Yes, this is happening. But really seriously, can we save the planet? Because we don't want the world to end before we reach 30. And so they have such high stakes of things to do. And we need to be making sure that they're okay. Because when we were their age, we were taught that amazing things are going to happen. They're young and they're like, what's happening in the world? What's happening to the planet? What's happening um, with social justice? What's happening with women? What's happening with leadership? Why is everyone fighting? And that's terrifying. And I think that we get so into our own heads, the adults, that we forget that they're like, they, like we have to make sure that they're okay. And we, you know, we didn't have a constant stream of news in our face when we were younger. We ran outside and got to play. And you still have a choice of doing that now, but it's hard to do. So I think, I think that our duty right now is to make sure that they're okay, that the young people on the planet are okay. And yet at the same time, a lot of the work that you're doing is actually educating kids about some of these things, Yes, as you're saying, in, in a way that they, that, that they can take in, that they can digest and that they can process yes. in a way. And, and then hopefully take a little bit of action from, or for that matter, feeling yeah. control of, because there's nothing worse than feeling like you don't have control. And I think a lot of kids are feeling that right now between the pandemic and as you're saying, social issues and uh, leadership problems. And, uh, and I mean, they, they don't get to vote. So even if they have an opinion, they don't get to vote. So it's hard, must be hard to be 17 and a half uh, a week away from the election, for example, and not be able to. Exactly. But showing them that they do have the power to change the, the people that like, like everyone's talking, Oh, black needs to talk to white men needs to talk to women. Jewish people need to talk to Christian. Muslim. It's like, yes, all that's true. But young people and old people need to talk. Like young people could learn so much from old people and old people could learn so much from young people. And like my husband and I decided the other day, we're like, I'm making a pact with you that we're going to be cool old people, which is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work to be a cool older person. That means you have to listen to the younger generation, even if it sounds absolutely insane. And, and you're, if your first reaction is like, that's so stupid, you have to be like, okay. Why do you think that we should be doing this and this? Why are you just to like here and then they, you know, there needs to be like a dialogue. And that's what I love about this. We have all these like 
older people, like ranging from like 25 to like 50, talking to kids about different life experiences. And the kids talk back to them. It's not TV where it's, everything is going at them. The kids interact with us. We ask the kids questions. We talk to them. We want to hear their thoughts. They hear ours. We respond to them. It's a conversation. And to teach them that if someone believes in something completely different than you, sometimes that's a little shocking and jarring. And the bravest, coolest thing you can do is just to hear what they have to say. Moving over to the sort of the business side of this, how you're running it, who's involved in, 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 in Vasti's Friends? Who are Vasti's Friends? So they're friends that I've had that I've met along the years on Broadway. And I want to expand it out to not just Broadway, to local theaters all over the world, because Broadway is not the end-all, be-all. And my favorite projects have actually not been on Broadway. It's just, it's the World Series of Theater, but that doesn't mean that, you know, other things aren't happening. But there are people that I've met over, over the years, and it's like, and when I thought about doing this, I was like, who could I, who can I think of my friend who would create original content, who knows how to talk to kids, not like they're stupid, but that they're humans, and that want to create joy for kids. And it all, it was just all very simple. And like, it was just so easy. So there are about 10 of us and everyone creates original content. And it's not about like, we have dance parties. So it's not like a dance class where it's like, you kick and you do this. It's like, no, we're going to have fun dancing. It's not, and not everything has to be so hardcore. Everything in America is so hardcore. They're like, dreams, establish your dream. And it's like, can't we just like have fun though? (laughs) Is anybody having fun? Because I don't know if they are. I'm like, are you guys having fun? What is fun? And it's like, you have to learn how to play and have fun because otherwise, what are we doing here? You know? And it must be a nice reminder for the adults too who are running the show. Exactly. Exactly. Every single time they do it, they're like, oh, that was fun. I'm like, and they're like, can I come again? Every single time. I'm like, yeah, because you're actually getting to talk to the kids. You're watching the kids react to what you're doing. And they're just so cute and funny and um, honest. We asked one kid to dress up as an essential worker and he wore, um, his parents said that he asked to wear like a Starbucks barista costume. <laughs> and they're like, we're both emb- we're embarrassed because we're like, how many times have we been to Starbucks? But he was just wearing like a hat and I was like, are you wearing a Starbucks? And he's like, yeah, I'm a barista. He said barista. And I was like, all right. I like you, kid. They're so funny. They're so funny. They're so smart. And they like, they're, humans are smarter than we think they are. We just don't listen. We prejudge so much on everybody, every single person, black, white, brown, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheists. We all like prejudge before we talk to somebody without meaning to. And so we just shut off so many possibilities for growth as like humans, you know? So I'm trying to help stop that. What's the sort of the toughest challenge about driving a project like this where everybody is working remotely and then feeding you? Like how, how, is, how is that working out for you? Is it difficult? I guess the most challenging thing is, is just getting the, I'm trying to think, there's no challenging thing really because the ideas are fun to come up with and it literally is like I'll be watching the news and they'll deny science. And I'm like, all right. So next week, guys, we're doing a whole week dedicated to science. And instead of making like, we're going to like, we're going to sell The whole week is called celebrate science. And we're not going to say anyone's wrong. We're just going to talk about how great science is. Um, so that part's easy. Um, getting the stuff out. So we, we mail, we have a, a kit basically with a mic, like a webcam, and we mail it to our friends. And that's the most difficult part because the post offices here are crazy right now. But that's, I would say that's the most difficult part is getting it to them being like, all right, you have three days to do this, this and that. And just having to keep people on like a schedule while they're like having nervous breakdowns because of the election. 
And my husband and I, the other day, were like, I think we should just accept the fact that nothing's real is going to get done until like this is over. Because that's all anybody can think about. How do you get the word out about this? When Bossy and Friends has a show, are these live broadcasts? Are they taped? Are they packaged and sold? How is it kind of working? So we're, we kind of work as like a live studio audience. Uh, we notice that what, the, what we love about our show is interacting with the kids. But a lot of the parents were like, the kids want to watch after. Or you could have a bigger audience if it's not just through Zoom. But I wanted to keep both. So we had a compromise where we have Zoom private tapings where they sign release. We're like, can we use your image? And everyone's like, yes. Um, and if they don't, we still let them in and then we don't show them. But we have like a limit of 10 kids because I want to be able to talk to each kid and I don't want a kid to be looked over and I want to be able to, we all want to be able to talk to all the kids. So we have a limit of 10 kids and then we tape that and then we edit that into an episode that is going to live on a platform. Right now we just have like clips and stuff on YouTube. We're going to move to YouTube kids, but um, we're signing a deal with the platform that I can't say yet. That's very exciting. Um, and we're going to get to sell some episodes to them. And so people all over will see um, we have uh, episodes we're making for nonprofits that, so like these will be shown in like India and Haiti and like all over the world. We, our favorite episodes are called Beyond the Backyard. And it's to teach kids in America that America is not just like straight Christian white people, but that there are several <laughs> cultures and religions outside of that. And so like my friend, Ethan, I grew up in Alabama where everyone was Christian, whether you're black, everyone, it's like black and white Christian. That's it. <laughs> and I was like, but there's so much more. And so my friend, Ethan, he was, he played SpongeBob in the SpongeBob SquarePants musical. Um, he speaks fluent Hebrew and he, um, and I love, I love like Israeli folk music. And so I was like, let's do an episode where you, where you tell stories and you sing like folk music and you read a story. And so we started doing these things where we have one, he has his, we have one for Jamaica, we have one, we're doing one for India, we have one for Korea. And so the kids get to experience different cultures from dance, singing and storytelling. And then at the end of every episode, we say, the coolest thing about this is that all the cultures that we just talked to about live right here. You don't even need to go to those countries. They're right here. They're here. <laughs> like just like grinding the They're here. And that's what America is. <laughs> and it's cool. And like we teach them how to say hello in the native language and goodbye and just little things. And then we ask them to say it. And it's really funny and great. <laughs> What's the toughest part about getting the word out about it? I mean, it's one thing to devote all this time and energy to make something. How, how do you let people know, especially kids? I mean, other than going on very popular podcasts like this one. Um, of course. <laughs> how is it that you get the word out? What do you do to promote? Well, YouTube Kids is actually the one of the most popular apps. And so um, you have to have a certain amount of subscribers to get there. And we just became, got on YouTube. So the goal is to eventually get on YouTube Kids and create something there. Um, and we have, like, I have no doubt that'll happen. We have our, like, um, our, like, super fans, if you will. When we started this, we started with like, I just grabbed my cell phone literally and propped it on some books. And my husband's working a full-time job in the other room. It's like, I'm just going to sing some songs. And we started with like six families. And by the end of the, um, when we were going to end it, we had 900 something families registered because it was word of mouth. It was on, you know, and so we just, we're trying to keep that momentum going. And um, so we're doing, we're doing YouTube. We're doing like, we're going to start doing more marketing things right now. We want to get everything like, together and we know that no one's paying attention to anything but like parents are like ah and um 
<laughs> and so we know that. Um, but it's making them happy, and we're selling stuff to schools. So we're reaching out to schools. We do stuff with children's hospitals. Um, we reach out to these people. I'm like, we have these things that you guys can have that we made. And so, you know, you do that. And then the parents like, can you have a private party? So we do private events. And that's where we actually make our money. These events are like how we, they're like free commercials, basically. And they're fun. And we, pay, we get to pay the artists, which is fantastic. But the money comes from private events. So we've done everything. We've done, we've done weddings. We've done, we've done memorials. We've done, um, we did something for Juneteenth, the day that um, slavery was abolished in America. We did something for gay pride. We, we just do stuff for, for as many things as possible. And that gets the word out. And kids who don't usually see themselves represented on TV are like, oh, wow, I'm seeing myself represented on TV. That's cool. I'm going to sign up for, you know, and the parents are like, you know, so it's that. And, um, but yeah, we're getting all that started and we were hoping just to get the word out as much as possible. This is a project that uh, really got its traction with the pandemic. How are you seeing COVID-19 and certain lockdowns and certain issues? Is, is that helping or hurting you right now in terms of the, this formative time? Well, it helps because everybody is on, it's the only interaction people can have. And especially when we move to this other platform, people will be able to access us on Apple TV and stuff like that. Um, but the goal is not really to have like, is less TV and screen and to be a live, a live event eventually. And we're hoping starting, you know, hopefully next um, late spring, we'll get to start doing like events where it's so safe and socially distanced, but having like outdoor kids concerts with these people and getting to interact with these kids because it's, it's what we do. And then we'll still have the TV stuff, but I think with kids face-to-face is always the best. So that's the ultimate goal. Right now it works in what we're doing. And so if kids are Zoomed out, there's YouTube. If kids want the interaction, there's Zoom. Eventually they'll be live. If they want one-on-one, there's the private events. So there are different like ways that we're making it work. And we're just taking it day by day and seeing if it, you know, if it works. Well, and what is day by day for you? I mean, I know you've got a lot of different things rolling all the time uh, between, I'm assuming, your own acting, your own performing, your own dancing, mm-hmm. your own writing and all of that. And then as well, Vasti and Friends. How do you make this all work? How do you find time in a day? How do you find the energy to keep it going? There's this great thing called Todoist that I use now. <laughs> and it, just, it pretty much maps out my day. And then whatever I don't accomplish between nine and five, I tell myself, that's it, you're done. And then my workaholic side of my brain's like, but, but, and I'm like, sorry, you almost killed me last year. No way. I'm not, I, I, I almost like worked myself to death last year. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. Nothing, nothing is worth that. And so it's basically, um, it's basically that, like, I just try to, uh, to just make sure I don't overwork in a day. I mean, there's enough time, like, because there is like such lags and lulls with everything going on right now. And it's fun editing through your friend's footage. I don't know how you feel about editing. And it's kind of annoying, but sometimes it's, it's just fun. I'm like, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I sit down and I never thought I would enjoy that. But I sit down with a tea or a coffee or um, something and I just sit and I just like laugh at all how weird all of my friends are. I'm like, my friends are so weird. <laughs> it's like, that's why the kids love them so much. They're all like freaks. <laughs> Well, and there's, there's also a flip side to this too, because um, when you say your friends, you're talking about Broadway celebrities, a, a number of them. Right? Yeah. I mean, Titus Burgess. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people know who this is. Yeah. And if you don't, it's Titus Andromedon from Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Um, 
that's got to help, I'm imagining, having the, that type of name recognition, that type of face recognition, uh, both for the parents and for the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal is to make, we make sure the material is very like SpongeBobby in that way where it's not, it's not really in the blues clues zone where the parents are like, or Dora I've watched. So like I have, I randomly have an extensive knowledge of children's entertainment um, because I've been babysitting since I was 18 in New York city. And I'm not kidding. I babysat for hundreds of families of all different types. So I've been watching children's TV for most of my life. And I watch children's TV like older than I should have because I just loved it so much. So, um, so I've understood there, you know, there's so many different kinds of shows, but I find the ones that have this, like the, the happiest where everyone's not miserable are the ones that can like have Easter eggs for parents and like also entertain the kids when the kids have no idea, you know, those things you get older and you're like, that's what they were talking about. I watched Pee Wee's big adventure the other day and I was dying. So good. I was, I watch it once a year and every time it's like, I've never seen it. It's so stupid. <laughs> that's my it's goal. Stupid, but genius. It's my goal. He's my goal. I want to be him. And there it's never been. There's been one black hostess of a kid's TV show, and there's been one female of a children's TV show, ironically. Most of them have been um, straight white men, which is so weird. Um, when you think about it, it's like, why is it, why is it that? It's interesting. The new Blues Clues has an Asian-American man, which is great, but it took a minute. It's like, you know, you got Mr. Rogers, you got the Wiggles, you got everyone. Even John Mulaney's new show, which is fantastic if you haven't seen it. Um, those that kid show, they're all the same demographic. And I was like, why is that? Why is that? I don't even think we all knew. I didn't even know until a parent told me that. No, I'm actually racking my brain now as, as someone with a three-year-old. Yep. I watch a fair bit of children's television now, but I mean, it's either cartoons or it's, if it is hosted, it, yeah, it is now that I'm thinking about it, generally white men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kids need to have, you, you form your opinions as a kid. And so we're literally saying the image of any leader of any faith, all the gods are, are men. We're saying that all the hosts of kids shows are men. We're saying that all these things, and I love men. They're one of my favorite genders on the planet. So, and I think they're great, but I'm firmly a believer that the power just needs to be shared. I'm not the kind of person that's like women need to lead completely. And I also don't think men need to lead completely. I think we, there's so many, and whatever that, like, with whatever your gender preference is, I think we can all agree that both sides have such great, like, they're just so great together. They make sense together to, like, lead and to have different opinions on how sometimes you need to be a little softer. Sometimes you do need the, that, that, like, test top, you know what I mean? But everyone's like, nope, it's got to be one or the other, and that's it. It's like, uh, I don't think so, guys. <laughs> I think we need it shared. But I, again, I think it all comes from what you're used to as a kid. If as a kid, you're used to seeing a black woman create joy and tell you funny stories, then you're going to think black people might be funny and joyous and tell stories instead of like being ghetto or like shooting people or being in a gang. And it's like changing the image of that. Normally at this point in an interview, um, I, I sort of ask what keeps you and how you stay motivated. But it, it, it seems like a stupid question with you because it seems like there's <laughs> no end to your motivation. And <laughs> I, know, I'm I can't imagine you ever getting tired. No, I mean, I get tired, uh, but like I, I, and I have to literally shut my brain off. I'm like, what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I'm like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> you have the opposite problem. Yeah. 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 Down a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, I'm just like, but it's, it's going so fast and I want to do everything. 
But then you have to tell yourself, if you do that, then you're actually missing the actual life. So there has to be like a happy medium. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm training myself to do is to know that there's a world where both exist. Your ambition and your rest need to be friends, <laughs> live side by side. Well, and, and what sort of advice might you give somebody who wants to get into, whether it's Broadway performing or whether it's children's entertainment or, or starting their own show, what kind of advice might you have for somebody who, who wants to embark on that or is thinking about it? Yeah, I think that, I think that everyone has this thing. My, okay, so mine is named Keisha. And I'll, you know, she's a little person that sits on my shoulder and it's like, you won't be able to do that. It's a stupid idea. It's been done already. It's dumb. You're never going to accomplish. It's too hard. Just don't do it. And everyone has that person in their head and it's just sitting there. Yeah, but not everybody names them. <laughs> I know. I name mine because I'm like, because you have to make friends with them. It's like, I hear you. Thank you. I'm still doing this. And I think that if we all just like do that every once in a while, we'll all just like be fearless, more fearless. And to know that if you do jump into something new, that it's possible that you will fail and that that's also a part of life. And so just know that. But I think that if you love something enough and you really want to do it, then you should go for it. And if you end up doing it and you're like, I don't like this, it's also okay to not do that. It's not ride or die all the time. But, you know, we don't have a lot of time here. And I think you should do what makes you happy as much as possible. If, you know, as much as you can. Some people don't have a choice. It's a privilege to be able to do what makes you happy. And I'm very aware of that. But if you do have that privilege, I think that you should, and then you should help others with that, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. So where can people find out more about you? Um, my Instagram is at Frosty Vosty Snowman, and then my name, V-A-S-T-H-Y. And then um, Vosty's Friends is at Vosty's Friends. And um, we have a lot of events coming up. We have this like really cool Halloween show we're doing with like um, the cast of Beetlejuice, which we're very excited about. And we have like like a Macy's Day parade, like a Thanksgiving Day parade, but it's going to be teaching kids about what Thanksgiving really means and how it started and um, how it, what it can mean in the future. But there are a lot of events coming up, fun things that um, are fun for the whole family. So I hope you'll come and play and leave with some happiness. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.